0: Please copy me on, on emails. Please include us if you're changing or want to change anything, please include us. If, if time frame changes, like if the calendar changes, please send us that updated schedule because when, when we don't have the information and then we look like we're not on top of it with our client, you know, it, it's going to make me be like, well, why is he not on our team? Like we're all on the same team. we all want to make a beautiful home. We all want to do what we can for our client um, and to have this be a great experience. So I just, I think the, the builders and the architects who have open minds, open hearts, listen to us um, and consider themselves as a part of our team. And like we're one team and we're not like two separate companies. Those are the people that I've loved working with.
1: So we're very fortunate this week to have Lindsay Borchard with Lindsay Brook Design. And you heard on the initial clip there, one thing she brought a lot of insight. I asked her about what makes a contractor better than the others, and she really shared some very personal feelings about what that relationship is and how we can better communicate with our designers, with our architects to make this a more seamless process. And it's so important because all of us are looking how to streamline this. Construction is a tough industry. And what I love about Lindsay is not only that construction designer relationship, but one thing that Lindsay is really doing is the female empowerment, the female entrepreneurship the female business owner. And she spends a lot of time, you know, she's created a design camp that we'll speak about and where she's really empowering the female owners with confidence and knowledge and understanding of the industry. And there's so much that she brings to the industry, to the relationship that we have as builders with our designers. I mean, my team here at AFT, we are relentless with that designer relationship on all of our projects. It's so key. And there's so much insight that she brought in this podcast. I know it's going to be very informative for all of you listening. So big thanks to Lindsay for making time. So welcome today to Construction Podcast. And today we have Lindsay Borchard with us. So welcome, Lindsay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, so Lindsay's from California, Southern California, and has this amazing Instagram. You have an incredible social media presence. And I think what I like most about what you do is the educational aspect, right? You're really... Uh, a big advocate for designers with design camp that we'll get into and just a lot of the content you put out there, you know, and it's, it's people such as yourself that make this industry better for all of us. Cause like you're, you're so vested. That's why I had to have you on today. So thanks for making time.
0: Um, well, that's really sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, you know, it's funny because when I started this, I didn't think like, I mean, I wasn't going into this being like, Oh, and then one day I want to be like educating and this and that, it just happened that that's how, I got um, a lot of feedback from designers when I first started. And so I just felt like I had to pay it forward. And then when I started really learning about the industry, I realized there needs to be a lot of education in it.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. So it just, snowballed. but that's a really nice, uh, nice intro.
1: Well, I, I'm happy to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And the value proposition, I think. You know, I've seen at least when I started in the industry, not that I'm terribly old, but I'm getting older, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, I've seen that when I first started it's pretty close minded, you know, especially on the contractor okay. side, they wouldn't share design of similar architecture. Um, but but the the bad thing about that is not only we weren't able to really educate each other, but we weren't able to educate the public. And I've seen that through YouTube, through social media, through all the podcasting and YouTube and all these things that we're doing. The clients are watching, they're listening, they're understanding. And so they have more of an understanding now. I need a Lindsay to hire. And and this is why I need Lindsay. And I need a builder and I need an architect. And it just sets them up, which makes our process a little bit better.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that when you, when you, I know for sure in my business, the more that I have learned about this industry, the more, that I educate myself, the more confident I get. Mm -hmm. And when you are confident in your design, in your relationship, in your knowing your own business and what your values are, you're just going to, one, you're going to have a better business, but you're also going to just have a better experience um, for yourself and for your clients and for everyone else's involved, whether that's the painter or the contractor or an architect, because, um, There's so many times that in the very beginning that I wasn't confident in what I was doing because I just didn't know what, not so much what I was doing, but I didn't know the industry as well. And I didn't know, you know, how to run a business. And when you don't know, and you're not confident, it's very easy for wrong clients or wrong people to do you wrong and to set it up to where things can go really badly, really quickly. And, um, yeah, and I, and like I said, I was just really blessed with people that opened their arms early on to me and opened their doors and let me ask questions. And even though some of the things that I was told didn't work the way it worked for them in their business, it was still nice to be able to bounce ideas off of, or just say, Hey, the way you're doing it is not working for me, but I I'm trying this. Do you think this would work or whatever it is um and those people five years ago that opened the doors are still really good friends of mine now and and we're there for each other and I don't see why there there needs to be any secrecy I guess with it um there's definitely things that I hold near and dear to my heart that I feel like make me stand out from other people and I'm I'm fine and don't pass any judgment if you do want to close off and not hold and not say anything but I don't know why I mean I just feel like there's a lot of projects there's a lot of homes to be built there's a lot of homes to furnish and decorate and I don't feel like I just don't understand the why you don't need why you
1: wouldn't share. Well, it's a mentality thing. I think you're speaking of the mentality of abundance as, as opposed to the mentality of scarcity, right? And so, mm-hmm. you, you know, people that have that positive outlook and are thinking of abundance mentality, well, as you network and what, you know, you look at the end goal, the end goal is as you educate the public and your client who are listening, well, it's going to make that process so much better better because as you, as you mentioned, knowledge is key, right? The more knowledge you have, mm-hmm. you can avoid the pit, pitfalls. And as you're in that pre-construction meeting or you're starting construction and ordering and purchasing you know the process, you know what it takes and you know, lead times and you know the the challenges that'll happen even with COVID, right? We're figuring this out. But mm-hmm. a lot of us who have been through these issues, you know, we're more catered and, and situated to, to get through this and navigate through it.
0: Right. Exactly. I, I, as I have gotten and the education part of it kind of just fell into, I mean, it just organically happened with, I think because I knew like, Oh my gosh, I had really great people. And like, I mean, I had like two people that were really, really great. Actually, Kristen from lifestyle company being one of them. She was one of the people I met on Instagram very early on. And like I said, I had family in Arizona. I was visiting and I said, Hey, can I stop by um, her office? And we chatted for like two hours. She pretty much told me how she ran her whole business. (laughs) And then she, you know, gave me really great advice and we're still really good friends to this day and, and check in on one another and root for another and support each other. And, um, well, she might give me a hard
1: time that you're on because I'm doing like three projects with her. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm so jealous. Um, but um, she's great, and but she's very different. She runs her business different and she has a different aesthetic and she's doing things that I have no interest in wanting to do e-commerce and all this stuff. So it's like, why, I don't know why we wouldn't need to share things, you know? And so when that happened, I kind of just like said, you know what, for anybody who has questions, like I'm gonna be an open book. And I just felt like, especially for um, women in business, I wanted to really be... Um, you know, there for other women. And especially as I get to a place in my business where I feel like I am more confident and I've learned, you know, how to speak up for myself and how to hold my ground. I think that's really important because I'm sure you're a great guy, but there's a lot of men in this industry that really don't give the credit to the women who are in this industry kicking just as much butt as the men and so I really tried to educate the women on it because like I said before if you know and you have the education you know what you're talking about you're going to be more confident to stand up for yourself to stand your ground to say no this is this is what I want you know and I don't want that or this is why I decided to do this or this is wrong or you're in the wrong um or whatever it is but I mean I didn't go to interior design school I went to design school for fashion and and So it's kind of the same, but kind of different, but everyone who I talked to, who went to design school said, they do not teach you how to run a business. Mm -hmm. And most people who go to interior design school have the dream of owning their own interior design firm one day, right? you know? And I think that that is crazy. When I kept hearing that, I was like, that is just crazy to me that there's not like a whole semester or a whole, like, I don't even know, even just a class on like how you really should run your business. Um, and I come from a family of entrepreneurs. And so I, I don't know if it's like in me and it's just like I have that blood running through my veins, but I'm I'm just as passionate, maybe even a little bit more so on the business side of things as I am with the design side of things. So I think that's given me a leg up.
1: Well, that, that's the most important part experience. because- yeah to relate it to you know my background i i study construction management but same thing you learn a lot of the technical side the scheduling the software Mm -hmm. the estimating you know but you don't get a ton into the business management into finances and balance sheets and that thing you know and 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 for you to do that and i love that you touched on the industry because my frustration and this is the male side of things is that i have a wi-fi five daughters but i work with designers on all my projects right and I've seen over the years, um, you know, it's an industry where it is pretty male dominated, at least on the construction side. And mm-hmm. it is unfortunate because they're not always the kindest or most respectful to the women. And so it's good to have women business owners such as yourself, Lindsay, that are out there and advocates saying, hey, you know, th- we have way more to offer than you have. Like, which is true because the builder mm-hmm. side, we can't see past a lot of this stuff. And you can see it and envision it and design it and be creative and 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 things that we can't do. And that's where, you know, we have to make room and be more respectful. And and from your perspective, when you're more confident, you have that information, you have your ducks in a row per se, mm-hmm. you know, it's easier to push back, uh, to demand that respect, which you so deserve.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's also, I think that people, you know, and I hate to generalize this with women, but I feel like, um, I really hate to say this, but I just feel like sometimes what I have seen, and I've talked to a lot of young interior designers is that, um, and I still kind of consider myself, I mean, I've only been in business for five years, but I, I feel like they, and why I speak with the confidence level is because I feel like sometimes they just don't care about the business side of things. And that's also not fair to the contractors and the architects who are very much the business side of it is very important. And so it I feel like when a designer doesn't take that ownership of their business of knowing their process and knowing exactly what is working what is not working in their process and changing that and really paying attention to the business, they're not only really hurting themselves but they're they're then also putting the contractor and the architects in a position of working with someone who doesn't necessarily like not care about the business, but are just so concentrated on the design that it's gonna make your job harder if they're not just as passionate about the business side and the process and the organization. And because I mean, you know, the design part is like 10%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like nothing compared to all of the back end process organizing, ordering you know, side of things. But I would say so, that 10% is
1: probably the most important 10% because that, you know, it, that that really yeah. creates the template for me to build to, right? That creates a template mm-hmm. of purchasing and ordering and scheduling and all the things that I'm working through. It's all dictated by the designer and her design book and mm-hmm. what she wants us to execute. Um, so let me let me ask you this then, if you know, for the builders listening, which I have a lot of builders and designers to listen, but what should we be doing better to be either more cognizant, more aware? What are things that you've seen with builders that make the process better. We're like, I like that builder.
0: The builders who really listen to us and not so much just listen to be like, oh, we like this and you need to listen to what I like and and execute that, but really listen to why we're trying to either change something or, or questioning why you're doing something or, um, listening to our needs. So, like I was telling you in the beginning, um, earlier, we have this big meeting with our team before we really start the project. And we have one with the client. And then we also have one without the client. So like, we can get into the nitty gritty of kind of like, this is kind of what I expect. I expect to be copied on emails. Like, I don't want to just be like, Oh, that's just their designer. Like, you know, who's just going to pick out the pretty things. Like, even if it doesn't mat even if it's something that i'm not necessarily doing or that i don't need to necessarily put my input on i still like to know what's going on so i always say like please copy me on on emails please include us if you're changing or want to change anything please include us if if time frame changes like if the calendar changes please send us that updated schedule because when when we don't have the information and then we look like we're not on top of it with our client you know, it, it's going to make me be like, well, why is he not on our team? Like we're all on the same team. We're all want to make a beautiful home. We all want to do what we can for our client um, and to have this be a great experience. So I just, I think the the builders and the architects who have open minds, open hearts, listen to us um, and consider themselves as a part of our team. And like we're one team and we're not like two separate companies. Those are the people that I've loved, working with.
1: This this is tremendous inf- information, Lindsay. I, m- I mean, the the fact, you know, speaking about being copied on emails, right? I mean, it, it shows, as you mentioned, communication, right? The builder's willing to communicate. They're mm-hmm. trying to make this process a healthy um, relationship and a successful endeavor, right? That's the whole goal here. You know, but copying you on emails keeps you informed because one thing that the builders may not realize is as a designer, well, you in most cases are also furnishing the home. So you have shipping you have storage you have you know you're holding mm-hmm. this product and if the project's being delayed by two months you better know because there's storage fees right this, this is, this is mm-hmm. part of this and you're scheduling the art to be installed and the furniture to be installed and rugs and so this whole coordination you know there's so much that you're doing that if the builder's not being up front and treating you like the professional you are as part of the team then that's where you can have those breakdowns for sure
0: yeah i also really love builders and architects who take real pride in their work and who also are not i mean i even though i don't ever plan on being an architect or a builder i still want to know why it is that you put that in the plan or can you explain to me why how you're building that so that i can speak better to it when i'm trying to sell you know um a design and it, it again, just goes back to knowledge. I want, I want to have our builders and architects also know that I really respect what they're doing and their time and their expertise. And I will go to them and ask them their opinions. And I would love for them to come and ask for our opinions too. It doesn't need to be on every single thing, but I think I just, when I go back to thinking of like uh, the like awful experiences versus the good experiences. It's, it's the people who have the mentality of like, we are all in this together and we might have different, you know, company names, but, um, we're, we're still one team on this
1: Yeah, on this job. And you're both going to benefit from it. And as you mentioned, I mean, if we as builders are not communicating, Hey, Lindsay, we're, you know, here's our fabricator for all your countertops, you know, here's where we're going to have the seams. Mm-hmm. Here's how we're going to have the you know the transition or the book match, and here's the fireplace. Here's what we plan on doing to support it. I mean, you really have to be involved because that look is really important as well, and if we're not communicating that, it puts you in a tough spot where what you've envisioned we're not doing or executing from our side, and you know yeah. that you know that part's super important,
0: yeah, it's really important. I mean I'm learning that you know even even this house we're building we had um, the fabricator didn't template the bench and it just looked so bad. And the client was so pissed and was just like, well, this looks so bad, Lindsay. I can't even believe you would do this. And I'm, and I'm just like, well, I didn't like do it because no one told me they were actually templating anything and installing. So it just made me look dumb. And like, I didn't know what was going on and it, and it irritated me. And I was just like, why wouldn't you just have that conversation? Like, Hey, we're running ahead of things and we're going to do this. And then we would jump on a Facetime. We would jump on a call. We would go down there, like whatever we would do to make it work, you know. And it ended up being fine, and it was thank God just a small little bench and not like all the countertops. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes the contractors or subs too think that they they know how designers would want something, and they just do it. And it could be as simple as like the grout lines or. You know, laying out the tile or doing a bent fabricating something without them, but um, placing a light switch. It's like for us at least, we are so intentional about our designs and like it's there for a reason or it's not there for a reason. Um, and so, even those small decisions, like I get there's a lot of decisions that have to be made without us. Like we're not on the job every day and we're in, and the client is not, you know, we're not talking to the client and the builder every day about little things, but. Um, I think just having that communication of like, Hey, we had to change this. So like, at least we're in a know of it. I mean, that's all I can really ask.
1: I love that. You know, I'll, I'll give a personal story. So I, you know, I grew up in the industry. I mentioned, I grew up in Southern California mm-hmm. and I did electrical and then, you know, went to school and, and my first year out of college, I worked for a production builder and in production building, you know, you don't typically have designers, at least the company I worked for, we didn't, you know, we kind of had a respect book and we'd build to it. Um, and so there'd be questions on like termination points or seams and things. And we just make that decision. Mm-hmm. Well, I always want to do custom homes. So after a year I go do custom homes and there was this super talented designer. named Beth McGee here in town. She's, she's based in Scottsdale. And so here I'm this young, you know, professional, I'd say, you know, not really professional. I was 25, but I, I remember I was working in the house and, and I made some decisions and she reprimanded me. She's like, Brad, what are you doing? This is not your decision to make this is not how we do this. This is not what I specify in my design book. And it was this yeah. call to repentance. And I remember thinking, wow, like, and, and the reason being, it goes back to what you said. She She's someone that was very educated in construction. She understood design and, and she, it was a teaching moment. And from then on, it, it it's almost like that, that light went off and it's been a great relationship with all my designers, even Beth. She's a really good friend of mine now and she's taught yeah. me so much. So I think that's really important because us as builders sometimes get sidetracked and we need to always – make sure that the right arm of our business, which is our designer, that we're communicating with them and keep them in the loop.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Like sometimes, you know, we'll be on, on sites and we're making these quick decisions too. And we forget, Oh, there's a client that we need to communicate, yeah, this right. with, you know? Yeah. And so, and it's kind of the same thing. So it's like, we'll make these changes and be like, Oh, we, I, we need to tell the client that we did that <laughs> because then the client's going to come back and be like, well, what I thought we weren't going to do that. Or, I thought like no one told me about this. So, yeah, it's, I, I always just kind of go back, like, let's get this all hammered out together as much as we can and keep each other in the loop. And, you know, um, because, you know, there's a lot going on. You have a lot of projects. I have a lot of projects and um, we have families and we have, you know, employees and other things to manage. And um, I think the more people that can have their eyes on a job, the less mistakes are going to be made the less um, irritation that's going to go on the more trust that's going to be built. So, I mean, yeah, just copy me on an email. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go. That, that's the <laughs> lesson today. Copy Lindsay on email. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove for over 75 years. Sub-Zero Wolf and Cove has specialized in refrigeration, cooking, and dishwashing that can be found in some of the world's most luxurious homes at AFT construction. We look forward to crafting our client's dream kitchen, when building the home of their dreams. To get this process started, we locate the nearest showroom and set up an appointment. It's that easy. Since Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove specializes in three major categories, we can make all of our kitchen selections in one stop. The first one is that Sub-Zero handles refrigeration. They are the preservation specialist. Key features included, fresher, longer dual refrigeration, advanced air purification, precise temperature control, customized modular design, This ensures tastier, healthier food and eliminates waste so that the food stays fresher longer. Second is that Wolf is the cooking specialist. Key features include precise heat control, predictable, consistent temperature, intuitive controls, and easy-to-use technology. Everything is designed with you in mind. These features enhance flavors of food, ensure consistency, consistency, and eliminates guesswork. Delicious results every time. And last but not least is Cove, the cleaning specialist. Key features include precise water flow, superior drying conditions, fully adjustable interior for every need, and so quiet, it never interrupts. Not only are all products functional and reliable, they look great, truly built to last. To schedule an appointment at your near Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom, visit subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom or click the link in our show notes below. Um, so so one question I have for you, because this has been fascinating, I know we spoke about this off air too, is one of the biggest challenges I'm having is pricing, right? In, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, we have budgets, we do the design, we do the architecture and as much as... You know, I try to be involved and forecast. There's unknowns, there's products that's not available, but you've done a really good job, you know, setting the tone for budget. So I guess speak to that. How are you setting budgets with your clients or builders? And then how are you managing that process with product that may not be available that you've spec'd within budget at the time?
0: Well, the first thing, and whether it's a furnishing job or a new home or a small remodel or whatever, is I have to establish a budget. Like I do not want to start design without knowing a budget. And some clients will say, well, I don't have a budget. Or let's just see, see where it is, where it is. Well, no, everyone has a budget. And if you don't have a certain number, then I want you, I always tell my clients, give me the number that if I tell you I'm going $1 over that number, you're going to have a stomachache you know, then there's there's your starting point, you know? So if, if I tell you, okay, everything's gonna cost you, you know, 400,000 and that's gonna make you wanna puke, well then, there, you know, we gotta be under that. So you do have a budget actually, you know? Um, so I think that one, we just have to establish like where what's their threshold, but then also like I really try to get to know them. So I try to get to know them firsthand um, just to understand, how they live their life, a lot of our clients are young families who, um, you know, live really hard in their home and have pets and have kids. And, um, you know, especially now, you know, I know we're not always going to be kind of locked into our homes, but homes are living, you know, people are living so hard in their homes right now. And so I think for us, we try to understand, like, do you entertain Do you, you know, what do you like to spend your money on when you're like shopping for home decor? Are you going to spend a lot of money on a rug or are you going to spend a lot of money on art or do you like lighting? Because that's going to help dictate our budget, right? So I might have a client that say, well, I don't really care. You know, I don't want real marble. I don't want to spend a ton on backsplash, but like, I don't mind spending $10,000 on a light, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's trying to understand that in the beginning, and seeing where they like to spend their money, what they like doing, what their family life is like. And obviously, if it's like their forever home, if this is their five year home, is this a rental home? Like, whatever it is, I mean, those are going to dictate budgets too. Are they planning on reselling this um, sometime? And then once we kind of get to know that aspect, um, we go to the builder and kind of relay that information too. Um, and a lot of the times I mean like, you know, you can give kind of rough estimates, but until you have the design, like you're really not going to be able to really give them a more detailed estimate or proposal. Um, and so we always say like, get your own designers in early, invest in that design, whether or not you're going to move forward with all of that design is a different story But at least you can get more accurate bids from contractors, um, builders, whatever it is. Now, when we're building a home, so it's a little bit different, right? Because like with the remodel, like everything's really built and established and you kind of know like what areas you're focusing on and then you can do the design. And we always say like, we'll do the design first and then we'll get the contractors kind of involved, get those bids out and then kind of um, establish what that budget overall will be. Now with building and new construction it's harder because there's so much more uh that needs to be allocated toward the actual build right so what we like to do is we kind of like look at what the builder has given to our clients and we'll kind of see those allowances and say like we're going to need more than ten dollars a square foot for a tile or we're going to need to do this typically we take we tell our builders to just take out the items that we would be purchasing so that we can handle it kind of on our own it makes it a little bit easier so like all the finishing stuff we just have our builders take out completely so things like the lighting the hardware plumbing um like all the trim pieces for for plumbing um even sometimes countertops things like that uh we just have them take out
1: do you and ever we'll have that
0: be part of our material budget?
1: yeah, have you ever um, had a challenge from your side just as far as like the warranty side or product procurement i mean or or is that do you feel you have a pretty good handle as far as the finishes go
0: yeah i I haven't had any issues because I have our clients um I have really good reps and showrooms out here that we work with, so i have I specify like for plumbing i won't I will not planning for, for our clients. I will specify, I will get them a quote. I will work with our rep to get everything. And then I have them purchase directly with our, our, um, our rep. And he's going to do everything from making sure that all of the pieces that, you know, the valve and all of that stuff that you don't think about the drain and all those things are included in on that. Um, and then we'll make sure that we get it on site. It's labeled, it's everything. So we take care of that. So for us, like we're full service. So I the things that we, if we're not going to purchase it or be a part of that, then we really just say, we're not going to handle it. Because what I don't want is I don't want to specify it and then not purchase it and not take care of it, not organize it, not get it on site. And then all of a sudden there's a problem and it hasn't been ordered or it's not on site. And that's going to fall back on me because I picked it out. Mm-hmm. always in the client's eyes at least, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I always say let us just handle it because I, if something goes wrong with it anyways, I'm going to get to blame, so I might as well just handle it. Yeah. That's like the little control freak in me, you know, but as far as the things that we don't really um that we don't do, we don't purchase cabinetry, all of that, we work with our builders for that. I don't that that's just an area that I'm not going to touch. I'm not um I don't have the type of insurances that you guys have. And, and to, I don't want to touch that.
1: Yeah. Which makes sense. <laughs> and, and, and cabinetry is always a big purchase item.
0: Yeah. So, I don't want to touch that. Um, even sometimes with countertops. I'm not touching that appliances. I'm not touching that. Yeah. Um, so I make it, I know a lot of designers that are like, well, I want to purchase everything and do everything. It's like, well, you're, you know, it's a lot of liability mm-hmm. and I just don't want that. That's a lot of, pressure and stress on my shoulders. Yeah, as if
1: want. you don't have enough already, right? <laughs>
0: right, right, exactly. Well, so we established that, the builders and I established that in that meeting that I was talking about. We kind of go through and say, here's the things that I, I would like to purchase and be in control of, and here's the things that you can.
1: No, that's really good. I, it's a good starting point then I know you mentioned. So you do that together. You know, you figure out what the client, uh, you know, the budget and the builder, and then you also meet the builder separately. Mm-hmm. But I love the questions you're asking because... You know, when you're speaking with the client and you really want to understand, well, is this a five-year plan? Are they looking just to maybe put a, a facelift on this so they can get some ROI and sell this in five years? Mm-hmm. Is this their end-all, be-all home? What's their living, you know? Do they do they like rugs or lighting because these things can be expensive? You know, where do they want to put their dollars and It really mm-hmm. sets you up for success. So, you know, in addition to that, I mean, you can ask the questions. You can put the budget together. You can have a good pulse for the overall design and the finishes that you're going to be controlling, you know, with the builder But what happens now where, what we're dealing with that product was specced, you know, a lot of our designs are up front. You know, I'm very adamant that Mm -hmm. we have our design book so we can price everything and then we start construction. Mm -hmm. Well, I already know the price, but I'm not purchasing the tile for six months because I'm doing a hillside bill. It takes some time. I don't want this sitting here and now it comes time to order and that tile is discontinued, you know? So that's, how are you dealing with that aspect of things where product is hit or miss, you know, from our vendors right now?
0: So we had that issue with um our one of our projects in LA right now, the um the kitchen backsplash, which is like you know, the showstopper of course of the home, <laughs> um was back ordered and like on a boat somewhere in the middle of the ocean, you know? And we all know customs is like a joke right now and it's shipping is a problem and all this. So their hard deadline to get into the house is end of January. And so we had to come up and just say, okay, here's, again, it goes back to educating the client and it goes back to being really transparent. I, and, and having those hard conversations, like I am not, I know a lot of people, and this is why I talk about wanting to educate this with women have a, have a really hard time with confrontation And having hard conversations, having awkward conversations, and I have, I I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem talking about money. I don't have a problem talking about if I messed up somewhere. I don't have a problem telling the builder that they were in the wrong and they need to fix it, or it's my problem, or if the client has unrealistic expectations. Um, And I do it in a nice way, but I, I am very, uh, I, I just had to learn that I had I had to get a backbone to be able to do that because um, it just makes the process so much better for everyone involved. So what we did is we said, okay, here's here's the problem. Your tile's on a boat in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> and be- best case scenario from what the rep knows, and this is just what the rep knows, like she's also just getting information You know, so it's, it's, it's hearsay. So she's saying best case scenario is that it's going to get in at this date. We'll be able to install it. You'll be in your home mid January, but here's worst case. We don't get it (laughs) in time. And so then we came up with um, a PDF, you know, a design presentation, you know, it wasn't grand, but we just kind of put options, you know, one, two, I think we gave them six options of here's alternatives. And we always come, this is another thing. And this is why uh, the communication between the designer and the builder has to be really key because I always tell my con- contractor, subs, anything you, if there is a problem, do not go to the client. I first. love that.
1: Yeah. and And you so have key. to come
0: to me. Mm-hmm. You have to come to me because I will not go to my client with a problem without having solutions already, mm-hmm. already done. So when I found out about that tile, we spent the next two days, before we even told them that the tile might not even be coming, sourcing other options. So we would say, "Okay, tile might not come here. But we have a plan, and here's our plan. And here's six options. These three options are going to not look as great, but they're going to be in stock, and they'll be either on budget or a little below budget. Here's." three other options that look just as good or better and they're more maybe the correct size or whatever but they're going to be more expensive and then I let the client make that decision <laughs> so I'll lead them in the way I'll say here's my top pick from the, the the low budget the the one that maybe is not as great and here's my top choice for the one that is going to be more expensive and I just outweigh the I, I really work through the decision-making with my client, but ultimately I let the client make that decision. So they don't feel like they were pressured into buying something that is, was more expensive or, you know, it's like, what's the priority? Do you want to get, you know, in your house faster or do you want the correct tile or do you want to just get it done to get it done? Because sometimes to get it done, just to get it done is going to cost you more because now it's rushed. And you're going to have to pay rush fees. You're going to have to probably pay more for our labor to come in right away to do it really quick. Um, So I tried to, again, educate the client of saying, okay, if we go with this option, here's here's kind of like what that means. And if we go with this option, here's what that means. Um, That's really all I can do. I mean, I try to stay on budget, but also like, I mean, I'm dealing with so many clients who want. To not pay for the best workmanship, but then expect the best workmanship—that's that's the but hardest
1: thing we deal with.
0: But unfortunately, that's not reality. Yeah, you know, and it's it's having those conversations of—it's an awkward conversation to have with somebody saying, "Well, you can't expect perfection when you're paying; like, you get what you pay for," mm-hmm. you know. Um, And you can say it in a way that's not those words, you know, (laughs) but I mean, that's just setting up the, the reality of it. And we try to just really hard, really, really hard to tell our clients, like if, if you don't want to pay X amount for this great Tyler, that is going to just pay attention to such the details and it's going to be perfection. And we've never had a problem with them. You don't want to pay $10,000 for that you want to pay $3,000. Well, that's a really big difference. So now when you're complaining about grout lines or you're complaining about this, like, well, what, what did you expect? You know, and it's not to rag on someone who, who pays, you know, who charges 3000. They're going to be awful. I know a lot of people who charge not as much as they should charge and they're really great, you know, but there's just a, there's just a level that people who charge more know that they're worth more.
1: Yeah, and I agree, and and mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest keys that you mentioned is just the communication because there's a lot of things mm-hmm. we can solve, designer, builder, architect behind the scenes, and at least, uh, if anything, come with options and alternatives, right? I, you know, it's funny because mm-hmm. as you're sharing the story about, you know, the backsplash today we had an issue. So one of the HOAs that we're building in, they have a requirement you can't have equipment left over the weekend. You know, some are big, earth moving equipment mm-hmm. over the weekend or over holidays. Well, the issue is this project we broke ground and it's supposed to start Monday. Well, it's Christmas week. So our yeah. grader's like, well, be, based on the duration, I only had two trip charges in, you know, $750 to come pull my equipment for the weekend. But if I start Monday, then it's going to be four trip charges because you got the holidays and everything else. And my super's like, what do I do? And I said, well, it's pretty easy, you know, let's lay it out. And we go to the client. Do you want to wait two weeks or start now? And there's just going to be an extra 1500 And the more information you give them, as you mentioned, you let mm-hmm. them make that decision. And And it really comes down to... As you said, when you are assertive and you're educated and you understand your process and you have a bigger view of everything, it's easier to be more direct, you know, and have the answers. Mm-hmm. So I I, yeah. I would imagine this is what inspired you to start Design Camp. So talk to me about mm-hmm. design camp and what inspired that and you know, what that is.
0: Well, Design camp is a four-day retreat that myself and Anastasia with the Identity Collective, who is like a marketing and branding company, um, who does our marketing and branding. um, Sorry, she doesn't do our branding, our marketing. um, We, we, I started working with her doing social media posts and having her do doing our marketing. And the first time that we met, which was in Las Vegas at Las Vegas market, we were both speaking on a panel and we just instantly clicked. And we were just talking kind of about like our, our goals for our business. We're kind of at the same time frame as our, uh, both of our businesses are kind of launched at the same time. And we were both kind of just talking about our dreams and goals and aspirations. And I was starting to get really heavily more into educating, you know, I, I don't, at that time it didn't really feel like it was educating. I just felt like I was sharing like my experiences, you know, I didn't really feel like I'm educating you on this, but it was just more like, here's what I'm doing. And it seems to be working. So I'm going to let you guys know, so maybe it will work for you. And I remember telling her, God, I would love to like host like a mastermind or like, and kind of selfishly like wanted to like be able to grab that knowledge from other people too and she was like oh my gosh i've wanted to do that and so we said let's do it like let's just do it let's create this and that was in that was in january and of 2019 and then in october of 2019 we hosted our um sorry yeah in october was it october Was it february gosh i'm like my time frame so no it was all of our time frames off Yeah, in February, we hosted our first event. So like a year later, we had our first, our first design camp. Um, But I just, I think what I really wanted was a place for, because you can get education from so much, right? You can listen to a bunch of podcasts, you can read a bunch of books, you can talk to different designers. But I just felt like there was, nothing out there that would just like immerse like that you can immerse yourself in for like a couple of days. And just like, when, when do you ever get the time to really just like focus on you and your business? Right. Cause a lot of people like podcasts are great. And I've learned so much from podcasts but I'm not like sitting at my home, listening to podcasts. It's usually in the car when I'm going to a client's house, I'm going to this, like when I'm on a run or walking or right. When I'm doing something else, you're listening to it. And I really wanted to create something. I know Anastasia did too, where we could come together where it would be a really intimate group. So that was always super important to us between like 10 to 15 people, because what we really wanted is we wanted that group to walk away with friendships that, and, and and a group of people that, they could then continue to learn from after design camp. So it's not that you're just coming in for four days and learning what Anastasia does on the marketing and branding side and learn what I do on the business side of our industry. But then it's like, I mean, the most, to me, the most priceless thing is you're walking away with 10 you know, other women or men. I mean, we've only had women come so far, but you know, 10 other people that are are continually to be supporters of you and to help you along the way. And the best, the best thing about design camp so far is the women that have gone and they say like, we're still, we're all on a text chain and we're all, you know, we we're still all talking to each other and we're sharing information and, and then seeing them grow is like, it's just so rewarding. And, and then selfishly I get to learn new information. So that's that. kind of why we why we started. Why well, we I started think the design. camaraderie is really
1: big because not uh-huh. only as you mentioned it's continuing education, so you have three to four days of all this information. And as you mentioned, probably one of the most valuable things it's it's funny because as you go, you know, either on trips with vendors or you know at the build show or design show or, you know, the furniture market, you know, you're gonna meet people and you build these lasting relationships. Well, I can only imagine here at Design Camp now everyone's speaking the same language. They're all trying to better their business and their, their portfolio and their process. And so you build these friendships where now, as you mentioned, it's not only are they getting a lot of information to take home, but now you have a network of people and resources where, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm having an issue, Lindsay, how would you deal with this?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we had our last design camp. Um, one of the, you know cuz they're they're staying like some people are sharing rooms, we're eating together, we're hanging out together, we're drinking together, we're talking about our families, we're getting to know each other. Um and one girl ended up working for another attendee. So oh, it's wow. like you never know like how things are going to what what things are going to come from that, right? Like she didn't come to design camp thinking, "Oh, I'm going to try to find a job." But you know, it's like she came with her own business and they ended up living in the same town and she's, you know, she's working for, um, for for one of the other ladies. And I just think it's so awesome to, they would have never found each other. You know, if we didn't have the camp. camp. So Um, what
1: are, what are some of the services you offer? Like when they go, you know, I'm sure we want people to sign up to attend, but I mean, without giving away everything, what are some of the topics or, or things you address for, for the attendees?
0: Yeah. So we have, two we have about three days um and one of the days more a little a little bit more interactive with like a photo shoot and they get to have it's like you know it's a little bit more fun and not like more classroom but we get they get headshots and we get to play around with um a photographer and kind of really show them like how to photograph their work um and then what to do with that but the first two days are like really immersed in um, branding and marketing, and then the business side. So the the first day, we're really focusing on how to price out your services, the differences between charging a flat rate versus an hourly rate or whatnot. And I and then I, you know, I charge. I think probably the most different than any other, but I kind of have different phases. I charge differently for those different phases. Um, so I go over kind of how I charge and why I charge that. Um, we go over trade vendors, which is a huge thing for designers, um, and working with the trade and really how, how you really need to be doing that. Like a lot of designers come in being like, I'm not even working with trades and, um, and I'm talking more like the wholesale trades. So like Uh working with the furniture vendors and, and that, I mean, that was a huge turning point for my business. So I really want, and it's a very scary, intimidating part. the business um, because it has to do with numbers and money and markup and scary words that a lot of people don't like to deal with so um, i really tried to talk a lot about that we share our favorite vendors and then we talk about contracts we talk about taxes like all the boring stuff that you need to know we talk about hiring who to hire first and how to expand your team anastasia talks about social media and talks about each platform really in depth and how to make it work for you to build your company, to get growth, to get exposed. We talk about um, branding your business and websites and all the programs we use. I mean, we are really spelling it out, especially me. Like I am spelling out how I run my business in, in design camp. And what's great is that there's just so much time for for people to ask me really specific individual questions that pertain to their business. Right. So sometimes when you're just we're teaching and we're telling people that's great, but it might not, you know, you might be doing something differently or maybe you don't work on construction. You only work on furnishing jobs and you don't want to work on construction, but you have a bunch of questions on furnishings. Like there's so much opportunity for someone to come talk to me and have that one-on-one time too and I think that's really uh valuable um especially with Anastasia too who charges for her services you can get this like really one-on-one time with her um and talk about what it is I mean we've had and and what I don't think Anastasia and I realized is how um therapeutic it is for people Mm -hmm. and how I mean I think a lot of the the first one we did, so we really only did one design camp and we do two groups back to back. So we've done two design camps in kind of one setting before COVID hit. We were supposed to do one in October. Which I was going to ask, has COVID post-mog. affected?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay. we had one scheduled in October, which is why I initially said um, we did start it in October, but we had one in February and then everything shut down. And then we were supposed to have one in October and we just felt that, you know, there were still so many unknowns and things were a little bit better, but there were still so many unknowns. So we just decided to postpone it to spring. So we will continue to do it. We'll probably be doing it um, sometime between April and May this year. And then we'll, we'll do them several times a year. Um, but when we did it in February, you know, it was really emotional and there was a lot of crying and a lot of support. And I think that There were a lot of women that we just, we all opened up so much and talked about how it's really lonely being, you know, sometimes when you're a designer, when you're starting out, it's just you. So it can be very lonely, it can be very isolating. And if people aren't sharing anything, it feels, it can feel very lost, you know, at times when you're trying to grow a business and you're trying to, um, to expand or you're trying to have that balance of being a mom and still take caring caring of your household but building a business and some of these women weren't getting support from their husbands they they were having a lot of self-doubt as to whether they should leave their day job and do this passion and I think that it was a very eye-opening experience of we all just felt super supportive and it just brought everyone to tears all the time of like they just I, I think it was just the first time a lot of people felt like I could do this because someone is in my corner right here that I haven't had before telling me and rooting for me and saying that I can do this. And now they're walking away with a group of people that they have continually in their corner. And I think that that was the most shocking thing to Anastasia and I, that we always wanted that to happen, but the fact that it did. And and now we see these people like just, you know, growing so much and getting their own studios and hiring people and like really making something of themselves. And it makes us really proud.
1: I love that. I mean, I love the empowerment side that you're speaking about. I love the therapeutic. I think in our industry, even on the construction side, design side, we don't have enough Mm -hmm. of that. It's, you know, people don't realize I'm sure you do Lindsay from doing this for well, now that it's a tough industry, it's really hard. There's mm-hmm. you have a lot to balance between the builder and the architect and your client demands, and then manufacturers and suppliers, and it's this constant um, battle every day. And there's mm-hmm. issues that you're trying to resolve, and alternatives you're trying to find, and then pricing, and you know all these things that are you know these are big investments our clients are making, and you know yeah. there's such value. And, and I love just the empowerment, you know, the women empowerment as far as getting together and building each other up. And, you know, I'm sure that's accelerated your growth, even as much as you know, now you go there and you pick up all these little things. So if you were to start, you know, Lindsay Brook design today, what would you do different? I mean, how, you know, what would you have done different, you know, starting now?
0: You know, it's, it's, it's funny because you know you sent over your list of questions and I was that was the one question that i was just like how am i going to answer this because <laughs> i i truly don't feel like i would change anything i there's a lot of stuff that i learned and um i think because i this started as a hobby for me you know i didn't go to a design school i didn't work for another firm this was really started as a passion and it grew very organically and it went from, you know, doing e-design from people I met off Instagram to doing friends' houses, to doing their friends' friends' houses, and then just gradually getting clients. And I don't know if I, I mean, I was really trying to think like, oh, well, would I try to do more construction first? Would I try to break into you know, going to builders first or whatever. But I feel like all those little decisions like have really led me to where I am today. And that's what I'm most happy with. I mean, I feel so good about where we are right now that I feel like if I were to change anything, I might not be where I am. You well,
1: know, well, that's a would, good it, point. would it
0: make it, would it make me more successful? I don't know. You know, would,
1: well, there's something it, to so be it's
0: hard for me.
1: Yeah. Well, there's nothing to be said about being a trailblazer, right? In the sense that as you're building it, you're going to learn along the way and there's things. You're not going to make the same mistake twice and you're going to, you know, these experiences have built to what you are today. But is there maybe an aspect of the business that you feel would give you a better head start? Would it have been, as you alluded to earlier, maybe having established vendors or understanding the vendor side, you know? So
0: that, yeah, that's, I, I think that, you know, that's a different question, right? Of like, what do I wish I knew? Well, gosh, I wish I knew a lot, but, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, I, I really wish I the whole first year of my business. I knew nothing about trade vendors. I mean, nothing. I was shopping at Pottery Barn. I was shopping at Target. I was, you know, which was great, but like, I missed out on so much revenue. And I then had, you know, a year later had established clients and, I was still trying to figure out my process of my business and how just the day in and day out of things were working. And then on top of it, I had to learn this whole other side to the industry very quickly so that I can access it and so that I can move forward with it. And that was really hard. So when we talk to people at design camp, they're like, well, well, I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. It's like, no, you got to start now because I want you to know everything. I want you to know what vendors you want to open up with so that when you do have that client that's ready, you are ready because that was really hard to not know anything about and to feel like oh what is this oh oh i can buy this at what price and right. i can sell it at what price and i can do what and i can like not like i can actually make my designs different from people that are walking into pottery barn <laughs> you know it's like it was so eye opening and like then your designs i mean my designs just got so much better i just got so much better as a designer because i had so much access to great things now um So I, that is my 1000% like thing that I wish I knew. Um, and, and I would say probably how to charge, like really how to charge, how to like write good estimates. Um, but again, I think that comes with confidence.
1: Yeah. Some of that comes with confidence, but I I think you're right. The accelerator is understanding the purchasing side, you know, because Mm -hmm. especially as a designer, I mean, you and in, in the States for builders, some extent, there's only so much fee you can charge. Even if you're the most talented mm-hmm. and everyone wants Lindsay, well, there's still so much that people are going to value on a design fee. But then, you mm-hmm. know, the added value you bring where they're getting product and your resources, you know, are more expansive, you know. So I guess how often now, I know you're more established, you're more educated, you, you really have this good process. Do you have a lot of clients coming in that are still maybe, um, to use the term, maybe a little green where, they don't understand the design process. They don't understand the fee. I mean, how much are you having to educate your clients? Or most of them fairly savvy.
0: We no. I mean, we still have a lot of clients that. I mean, we have a mixture of people who have worked with designers and who haven't. But it really doesn't matter if they have worked with designers because th- their designer that the process is going to be completely different, right? There's no, like I said, there's no. Um, kind of blueprint as to how to run your business as an interior designer or as a contractor or whatever. But um, so I think it doesn't really matter. I still have to educate my client on our process, even if they've worked with 10 designers in the past. Um, so I think that, you know, for us, like we have to educate and sometimes it's frustrating because we're in it all the time, right? So it's like, uh, duh, that's that's the knowledge. But I have to remember that our clients aren't in the industry so they don't know the only thing they know is restoration hardware and pottery barn and home depot and hgtv and you know so i have to say like i I really have to teach them of like there's this whole world (laughs) out there and this is how it really is done and this is how we do things here. And there's a lot of times in the beginning where, you know, I would say how I run my business and people would tell me how to, you No, know, no, I'm not, you no, know, this is how I want to do it. And, um, you know, we don't work with those people anymore. So we educate them on our business. We have a lot of um, PDFs and a lot of paperwork that explain our process. We talk about it a lot. Um, so by the end of working with me that client should really know a lot about our business um in our industry and um because i'm constantly telling them the same thing over and over and over again not to annoy them because they don't understand it but because they're just not in the industry and they need that constant reminder of you know no this can't get shipped to your house because it needs to go to a commercial real uh, receiving warehouse house because this 50 foot truck is not going to be able to come into your neighborhood, you know, like it's, it's things like that of like, you know, that is why, like, I know you can't purchase it because it's under my account. I have to purchase, you'll purchase it through us. We're full service design. That's why you came to us, you know? So it's things like that. It's like just this, the education from Mm -hmm. the very start before they're even a client, we, we start educating them. And we're doing that throughout the whole process of, of working with us.
1: Well, it's key. I mean, you know, for anyone listening, the more processes, the more education, the more value bringing, bring in, especially in those beginning meetings are valuable because, you know, from I, I I've seen it, I'm sure from your side where clients come in, they're like, well, Lindsay, I, I, I know what I like, you know, I already know what I want. You know, I have my Pinterest board I have my Instagram right. saves, you know, so I, you know, I'm a good decision maker, But as you mentioned, there's so much more to it, you know, when you're saying, well, here's the value I'm bringing, right? That there's a lot more to just saying, well, I like this town. I like this countertop, you know, because there's information the builder needs and there's processes. And so the more you have that under control, and and, and this goes back to the question I get a lot where people, other builders will say, Brad, well, I'm not getting the right clients. Like, how do I get this client that you have? Well... It, it's to your point, like Lindsay. You said you've built a, a, a successful firm now, where now you can pick and vet these clients and help them. So the ones that truly understand the value you bring, you know, those are the ones that are going to be a great fit, anyways.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we. I I've learned from my mistakes, and I've learned from, um, you know, just doing it for for several years now, and knowing who I want to work with. And I mean, my my time is valuable, and that has taking me a while to understand, you know, it's like you have five kids at home, that you also need to be with and, and have energy to give to them. And when you have a client that is just draining all of that from you, like, you're just gonna not, not be able to give what you need to other people in your life. And so for me, if I'm gonna, you know, I'm sure you are too, like, I I am a workaholic. I love working because I'm passionate about my business. And so it's just, it's just as important to me as my family, but still at the end of the day, I need to separate that. And I need to put the energy in other people and other things that I like. Right. And so that is a a direct reflection of who I work with and who I decide to let in, um, because I'm feeding off of their energy as they are mine. Um, So I think that you know, as far as like being at a place and and we're a small firm still, like I only have four employees, you know, so we can only take on so many jobs. So we have to be selective with what we're taking. I can't take on smaller jobs because I won't be able to pay my employees. If all we're doing is taking on small jobs, but we don't have minimums and we don't say no to those small jobs. Just depends on, you know, when we can take you um, and what, what we have in our pipeline. But um Yeah. I mean, I think just, just being able to, to, I just go back to like educating somebody is going to give them the knowledge. They're going to feel confident. They're going to feel good. Being transparent with them, having open communications, like with any relationship, like you have to have that with your, you know, significant other. You have to have that with your your work wife or husband, you have to have that with your client.
1: <laughs> yes, you, <do. laughs> you it, know, it, it, it all comes down <laughs> to communication at the end. I mean, it is so true. Right, it does.
0: Course. Right. It's like, well, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, I think clients, I, I know we're kind of like going off on different things, but I think that um, my clients, I know like our Dallas project, like they came to us because we, we, I mean, process and systems are so important to me that I spent money making a video about <laughs> our processes and what it would be like to show people, to show potential clients, this is what you get from us. This is kind of like, and this is just a small part of what it is. And our Dallas client worked with other designers who had horrible processes, and, and the processes were very important to. To them and they saw our video and hired us because of that and they were fine with paying more money that we were in california that they were gonna have to fly us out they were gonna pay more money in some shipping stuff for the stuff that we were have that ha- we have here in our studio um and they were okay with that knowing that their priority of having the processes on lockdown were gonna really happen for them you know and that was a priority for them they were willing to pay for that so it's really important to not only have that for yourself, but like you don't know where that's going to take you. Like, where having that transparency and and attracting that out into the world, like you know. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean it's crazy. It's just like we got that from just that from the video. I, I never from the video, and I never thought that we would get. I always thought like, oh, we would get clients all over for our aesthetic and like yeah. our look, and that was a, definitely a part of it, you know. But another big part of it was how, was how we work.
1: Well, it's a plug there for how you market your business, how you brand yourself, which you've done a phenomenal job. Lindsay, I've been very impressed just with not only the conversation, which I knew would go this way, just having followed you and seeing, you know, what you do for the industry, which, which I love. Um, So what's next exciting upcoming for, for the team and for you?
0: Well, we are opening our studio up to come for people to come shop. So that's really exciting. We've been working throughout this whole year. And, and unfortunately, you know, we had to put that on hold. It was supposed to open in the spring. Um, but that will be open starting in January. And we're hoping to be able to offer some shopping services for people who either can't get into our, you know, our, our, parp- our pipeline or who can't afford our services can get a piece of our aesthetic or some of our products that we offer. So that's um, exciting. We will have design camp hopefully um, going on and more design camps happening next year. And then we have some really great um, new construction projects that we're working on that I'm really proud of that we'll be um, finishing up next year Um, and kind of really diving into that because that's, like I said, you know, California is built up already. So there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of new developments that, you know, are happening here. So it's, um, it's a little bit harder to kind of break into that part of design out here right now. And so the fact that we're, we're, we're getting into that um, is really exciting for us.
1: Well, that's, that's amazing. And where can our listeners find you?
0: Well, they can find us on Instagram at Design, and at our website at Brook Design. And then if they're local to uh, Southern California, our studios in Westlake Village.
1: Well, that's super exciting. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll have them in the show notes. And again, Lindsay, I, I know you're super busy and especially with the holidays. So can't thank you enough for making time today.
0: Oh, of course. Thank you. This is so much fun.
1: So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.